1: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to talk to Rebecca or Bec Craig. Now, Rebecca was recommended to me by Ron Patterson, who was an earlier guest on the show, and he called her a horse person extraordinaire, a groom extraordinaire, which is a pretty high qualification from someone like Ron. So, Bec, how are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> Great. Now, Beck, I know you've done a lot. I know you've worked for quite a few years here and then you went over and worked for William Fox Pitt. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. But first of all, tell me your favourite quote. My favourite quote that I probably live by a lot of the time is, one life,
0: one shot, make it count. I think I actually saw it on a Kentucky meme or something on the internet at one point, but it really resonates with me. Mm -hmm. I think life is short and time waits for no one. And if you want to do something or learn something, you've got to go out there and make it happen. You know, if you want to get better at your writing or whatever you're doing, no one's going to do it for you. You've got to go do that yourself.
1: Okay. And and I know that, you know, because we sort of talked to you about being a groom extraordinaire, you're a rider and a coach as well. I'm sure that some of your students are going to benefit from that philosophy, you know, just one life, one shot, make it count. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you started with horses. You know, did you come from a horse family? Do you remember your first time you rode Yeah, I didn't come from a horse
0: family. My parents were both off sort of cattle properties where they would use motorbikes and they both sort of had a pony at some point in their life, but didn't really have much to do with horses. And then my parents decided they really wanted us to sort of have a bit of the childhood they'd had. So we moved to a small hobby farm when I was eight and they wanted us to have like, you know, motorbikes, ponies and do all that sort of thing, but they weren't horsey. So I was eight years old or eight or nine. I got our first little pony called Pumba and he was a (laughs) terrible pony and it was a disaster and um, he was too young. We didn't know what we're doing. So I think it was like a three-year-old and that's just not what you want for your kids to be going to pony club on. (laughs) So it was a disaster. And then luckily we had a lovely neighbor at the time who sort of took me under her wing and she's very horsey, has done lots of things. So I went over with her and she gave me lessons and helped me get horses that suited me and I guess, yeah, I worked very closely with her and her girls right through Pony Club until I finished school.
1: It was very gracious of it to offer you and, you know, she saw a problem there. I think, you know, just as a horse person, if you do see a problem, you do want to get in there and help and not just do it from the horse's point of view but from the person's point of view. You know, do it for both and um, make a great partnership. Yeah. All right. Now, you sort of went on from there, from Pumba. What about a career with horses? Because you've worked professionally, just tell me how, what made you or how did you fall into it? Did it, you know, come to you? How did you take that path? Um, my mum always says that
0: I'm the kind of person that seems to just be very lucky like there's always an opportunity that seems to present to me. And I'm the kind of person, I guess, with my life motto, such that whenever an opportunity presents itself, I grab it with both hands and give it everything I've got. So my lovely neighbor helped me eventually get a lovely thoroughbred when I was in high school. And he was an awesome horse that I went and did a lot of stuff with. And then I ended up starting to have dressage lessons with Ron Patterson through high school. And I guess I just had this dream like, Oh my God, I would love to work for Ron. Like imagine if I could Mm. work for Ron, how much could I learn from that man? Like I just wanted to absorb everything that he was teaching me and not only see him like every eight weeks when he came to Rockhampton for lessons, like what if I could learn from him every single day? And, you know listen to everything he said so i still don't really know how i ended up working for ron someone must have said that i would be interested in that and it all sort of you know fell into place there was a chance to go to him for a year and i you know i snapped that up i remember my two week trial there pinching myself going oh my god i can't believe i even get to be here for two weeks this is amazing <laughs> and one year turned into six
1: and um oh, yeah well wow, wow. very lucky yeah, yeah and then from there from that six years, then you went on to you know what's possibly just a broader opportunity for you.
0: Absolutely, Ron and Sandy decided that you know I was always keen to learn, and there was more and more. I think not; they'd offered me everything they could. I mean, from the, I'd learnt so much with them, but they said, you know, you need to go and see more of the world. So I said, right, all the top of the disciplines were in England at the time. So I'm going to go to the UK and see what happens. I had a few jobs lined up that fell through and was a bit of a disaster, but you know, I had my two-year visa and I wanted to get everything I could from it. And then a job with William Fox Pitt came up, which doesn't normally happen mid-season. It's just, Mm. again, opportunities present themselves (laughs) to me and I grabbed them. And his second head had walked him. So I applied for the job thinking that a hundred thousand people would apply for the job and there's no way I would have a job. I'd never even been on a top performance yard, you know, Ron and Sandy's yard wasn't that big. And I had my interview with him and he decided he wanted me and I was terrified, but I just said to him that I want to learn and I'm keen to do, you know, just teach me. And he said, Mm -hmm. that's what I want and snapped me up. And I stayed there the rest of my
1: visa, another year and a half there with him. That was awesome. That's great. That's great. I'll bet you learned a lot. What I, I just want to read this out, though, because when you left, as part of your reference, it's um, Beck's standout skill is plaiting or braiding. In 30 years of top-flight competition horses, we've never had anyone who can plait a mane and tail like Beck. Our only disappointment was that a visa ran out. Isn't that a great reference for someone yeah. to, to give you? <laughs> yeah, pretty yep. tough
0: when I read that and felt yeah, very yeah. special.
1: Yeah. Okay, now when, when you were with him, did you stay in the UK? Did you go to Europe? Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, most of the time I was in the UK. I did go to a lot of the top events with him. I went to Ireland twice um, to the mm-hmm. Tattersalls International Horse Trials, which was awesome. That was actually my first three-day with him. I'd only been working with him for two weeks and uh, had the two-week trial, and he packed me up in the truck and took me off to Tattersville <laughs> to groom. And on the way there, I said to him, so I guess I passed, my test, and he was like, I guess you did, <laughs> and that was the start of me going to competition with William. I don't think I went over to any in Europe. I did go in my own travels and watch a few different events in Europe, but I didn't go over to any with William. We had more UK-based mm-hmm. ones that I went to mm-hmm. with him.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Now now that you're back home, you've got a business that you're running. Is that right?
0: Yep. I'm doing my own sort of you know, freelance grooming, um, going yep. to events, cutting horses, and also I'm getting back into coaching, which is what I did before I went overseas, Mm -hmm. and I'm really loving getting back into that side of things as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I bet the overseas experience has made you a better coach too, you know, just the uh, broader experience, yeah, yeah.
0: I guess even being able to watch William give lessons with different people, you know, you just get to see all different teaching techniques where you go around watching different people and
1: you can just bring back the bits that you think work for you. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure, all right. Now, have you got some tips? Then I'd like some tips. Now, I think it. I want you to sort of think about this in two different ways. One is for someone just generally handling handling horses, and I'm thinking more as a groom. You know, if they were coming um, to make them more aware of the horse's behavior, safety, things that you need to be more aware of as a groom. But I want you to also, of that's their skill, but I want you to also think of something else as something to teach a horse, to make them into a better horse, to just stand, to stand, to plait or braid, to prepare for a competition.
0: Yeah. I think with the second part you were talking about, I just think whenever you are with your horses, The groundwork that you, I guess the time you spend doing groundwork with your horse is Mm -hmm. so much of everything you do with your horse. You have to be consistent and have the same set of rules whenever you're dealing with your horse and expect nothing less. So if you're expecting your horse to stand for you when you're preparing it for a show, plaiting it up, you can't Mm Uh, other times when you're tacking it up, for example, you can't tolerate it standing in the wash bay, for example, pouring constantly and you just accept that, okay, it's pouring. You need to stop yes. and tell it that, yep. no, you can't continue pouring. And that way the horse learns that when it comes up and does things with you, it stands there and, you know, it gets pats and it does all its things and it gets whatever done to it, whether we're plaiting, washing, trimming, whatever, but it mm-hmm. is expected at that time to come and be
1: focused and stand and, you know, mm-hmm. behave. hmm Mm-hmm. Good, good. Now that's a very good one for training the horse. But as a to help them as a handler, are you using that to make them more aware? Then to teach the horse.
0: Yeah, I think as a handler, yep. you just have to. It's just consistency. Just doing every time you're with your horse, expecting the same things, whether you're grooming them, whatever you're doing. I don't know how to separate that as the groom because
1: I think that's horsemanship mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, good. All right. If we can go on then and you can tell me, and I know you've talked a little bit about Ron and William, and you can talk about both of them, about how they've influenced you and help you learn more about horses or you know, if there's someone else that you'd like to talk about as well. Oh,
0: wow. I've had so many people influence me with my, I guess, my career into horses. Mm-hmm. Ron and Sandy, I am eternally grateful for. I've, I've just come back from spending the weekend with them. Like I'm constantly absorbing information <laughs> from listening yeah. to them talking, watching horses. I just went and did some practicing, doing my makeup and things I'm doing for horses this weekend. You know, sort of say hey did this, look right. I still bounce ideas them. Working for William was incredible. Learning what it they want, you know, for a groom's perspective. Of- level, not only did I work for William, but his head groom had won the FEI groom of the year, the year that I was there. So not only mm, was I learning from mm. the best inventing grower in the world, I was learning for the world's best groom as well. Yes, so great. all That's the good. tips that she was giving me, um, she actually taught me a few tips with my plaiting. I've now learned to, like I can, oh, I don't have to use bands at all. Basically, I just use thread and it's really, and my plaits have never looked so good. So all my, <laughs> little, tips, all my little tips from her. And I mean, I've been lucky enough to work for Michelle Lang, one of our top show jumping riders here in Queensland. So I worked for her for a year and a half, and also had her as my coach prior to going overseas. Yes. Yeah, I just absorbing things from everyone. It's just a constant. You just have to be a sponge all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think you've shown that you've made a good commitment there. Um, Yeah. Working with a few top, you know, Michelle as well. Yep. All right then. And what about a horse who's influenced you? You've told me about your first pony, but is there a horse, a standout horse that's influenced you, that's taught you? One that you've thought, wow, I've really learned a lot from this horse.
0: I have a couple, I have a handful. For me, I guess the most I learn from horses is when I'm riding. And when I worked for Ron, I was lucky enough that he and Sandy let me ride a couple of their horses. So I had their lovely schoolmaster, Star, and then one of Sandy's young horses that she jumped, Juby. So I was lucky enough to be able to ride those horses. And then Ron could really teach me those feelings that I was searching for. and. Being able to take that then back as a coach, knowing what these things feel like and the struggles that I went through maybe to put it all together and then hopefully, you know, being able to relate to my pupils and what they might be struggling with and say, yeah, you know, I used to struggle with that. Maybe try this. And I'm really enjoying putting that sort of together. Mm, mm. And then I think as the groom over in England on such a big yard like that, like it can become quite a production line of horses. And you sort of pick out your favourites and there were seven of us working in the yard. And we all sort of had different favourites, which was really quite nice because you could have your handful that you were then allowed to, you know, No, I want to pluck that one, that's my horse. I don't know, you just sort of get a bit of a bond with them and I don't know how that's then made me a better groom, but definitely <laughs> I had my pick as a groom to go, yep, they're yeah. my quirky yeah. horses. I like their quirks and their personalities. I want to deal with them them.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, you said there were seven grooms. How many horses were there? I think what is it? Four
0: box barn. I don't actually know. The numbers sort of fluctuated. We had sometimes stables mostly completely full and then you'd have some younger ones out in the paddocks. Mm -hmm. We weren't all grooms. We had the head girl, then there were two second heads. And then the rest of the staff was sort of shared between riders, working pupils and that sort of thing. But everyone got in and helped with everything. We all did the riding as well. But mm-hmm. then, you know, if we were leading up, say, we had Chilly morning preparing for WEG, then the head rider would be in charge of making sure Chile was consistently worked, mm-hmm. you know, not by all seven of us kind of thing. They yes. had a set plan. But then the younger horses, we could all sort of jump on and help with the training plan and then also learn things from William with our own riding.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, so I want you to think about the proudest moment you've had. This could be as a groom, as a rider, or a coach, or all three.
0: I think I was pretty proud as a groom. Just even getting my job with William was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then leaving there with that reference just, you know, was incredible, but there were a few times just small moments. It doesn't have to be the big one, but some small moments at shows like I'd leg William up onto a horse and he'd say, You platted this horse, didn't you, Beck? And I'd say, Yes. <laughs> and he'd be like, Yep, I, I can tell. Like, I yep. can tell. And there were some shows where he would just get me to plat them all. He'd be like, Yep, Beck, you do them and someone else can do this. And mm-hmm, you know, that's mm-hmm. a real sort of little pat on the back, like, Oh my God, he actually really, really respects what I'm doing as a groom. Yes. And, yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. As a coach, I'm proud most lessons just watching your pupils try their hardest and then when something clicks for them or they put another piece of the puzzle together Mm -hmm. and it's so exciting to watch them, like, evolve as a rider and figure things out themselves and get that feeling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then as a rider for me, my proudest moment was probably in my last year at Ron's and just everything he'd been teaching me, all the little pieces of the puzzle and all the skills he'd given me all started to click together. And the feelings that I had on his horses that I was riding was just amazing. I was so excited that I'd finally, like I'd worked so hard. I'd been trotting around in the lunge with no stirrups and a whip behind my back for so many hours. I was so excited that all the hard work just seemed to be paying off and yeah. I was super proud.
1: (laughs) That's great. Great. All right. Now, if someone wants to get into the horse industry to work as a groom, what would you say to them? To work as a groom, I think Australia
0: isn't hugely open as a market for grooms. I think going to the UK was a massive stepping stone for me and realising that you can actually make a career out of that in the Mm -hmm. UK, freelance are just everywhere. It's amazing. And then coming back to Australia, I'm now able to put that into play. But I think to get into that industry, you just have to want to learn. People think that they have to go and maybe, you know, do some sort of university degree on equine management and things like that. In the horse world, you learn by going to someone that knows, you know, a master or someone that's, you know, got a name for themselves for being good at what they do. You need to go to those people and you need to say, teach me, mm-hmm. like I want to learn, teach me and, and it's hard work and you just have to get head down and learn and work your backside off and that's the only way to get in there, it's hands-on experience. You just have to get into a yard and work your hardest and learn everything you can from everyone that's willing to share their knowledge with you.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 All right, now you worked with seven grooms in the yard where you were. Yeah. What makes one groom better than another? What's the things that just make them excel, make someone excel and do better than everyone else, not just talent, or maybe it is talent, skill, but, you know, makes them the master that they can then, you know, if you're looking at seven grooms, which one's better, but why are they better?
0: It's in that situation, or in any grooming situation, it's the person that has attention to detail, Mm -hmm. not accepting... Oh, that's good enough. It's going. That's not good enough. I'm going to make that better. Mm-hmm. That is probably a key standout for me. The other thing is an ability to work with other people. Yes. In, you know, when you get into a bit of bigger yard, you're working with a lot of people, and you've just got to have people skills as well, not just horse skills you have to be able to interact with people, mm-hmm. and like as second head there, you have to have your staff happy to work for you and with you, and otherwise you won't have the manpower to do all the work on your own. You have to learn to be a team and work as a team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that would probably be the standout things for me
1: okay, okay that's yeah. good um, now, to complement all this, Beck, do you have a a book that you'd recommend to the listeners? One
0: book that I absolutely love is Horses Are Made to be Horses by um, yes. Franz Miranda I can't say his name properly, but um, it's one of the masters that Ron spent a lot of time with. So I've read his book mm-hmm, many, mm-hmm. many, many times. Yep. I have a copy. It's hard to grab a copy of, but it is worth its weight in gold. You absolutely need to get a copy of that and mm-hmm. have a
1: read. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, It is a very good book. Yeah, Yeah. and and I'll put the details about that on the show notes page so that people can go back and um, have a look at that one. All right, now, what does your future hold now, Beck? For me at the moment,
0: I'm not only running my own business, I'm also going to university. I'm not sure if my university degree will actually be something I do in the future or it's actually just something to get my brain a bit more active and it just kind of wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. But I'm really looking forward to, you know, building my client base with some more pupils. I've Good. got a few clinics booked around Queensland, travelling around the place. Mm-hmm. In two weeks, I go away on a three-week trip just budding horses for the um, <laughs> interschool nationals Good. and the pony club nationals. Yep. I'm quite excited for that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to pletting horses and trying to pass on some of the knowledge that Ron's been so kind to pass on to me. I really just want to keep sharing that with the horse world.
1: All right. Now, if people want to contact you about you coming, teaching, doing pletting, coaching... What's the best way to, for them to contact you? Yeah, my Facebook
0: page is probably the best way to find me. Mm-hmm. It's just Rebecca Craig Equine Services. Okay. Um, yep. The Rebecca's a bit tricky. It's spelt with two Ks instead of
1: two Cs. <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put the link to that Brilliant. on the show notes page as well. And that, that show notes page is on horsechats.com, and that'll be under Rebecca's uh, podcast details. All right. Now, just to sum up, what's your philosophy? Just into a lesson today. Have you got a lesson today for the listeners they can go away with?
0: Yeah. My lesson would probably be that time waits for no. If you want to do something, you've got to get out there and go and do it. If you want to learn something, go and find who you can learn it from. Mm -hmm. And practice, 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 attention to detail and consistency. When I started Platting, I could not even plat. I couldn't put three strands over the top of each other. I platted my little Shetland ponies up every day after school. Mm-hmm. And however many years later, I have William Fox Pitt saying that no one else can plat a horse <laughs> like me. And I honestly couldn't plat to save my life. Yeah. So, yeah, time won't wait for anyone. Go and do what it is you want to do and learn what it is you want to learn.
1: Okay, good news. All right, thanks very much. And we will be talking to you again soon, hopefully. No worries. Thanks so much, Glynis. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352.